Our thoughts and prayers are with all the, the victims and the families affected by what happened this morning. Reaction from Penguins captain in Vancouver after a gunman opens fire in a Pittsburgh synagogue, killing 11 people. Warning uh, individuals that there's contaminated drugs. Surrey overdose alert. The warning from Fraser Health as they deal with a dozen overdoses in just four hours overnight. I believe it's, it's really good because I, most of the time I lose my compass card. And getting through the fair gate by tapping a wristband. Reaction to TransLink testing out a new idea. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks very much for joining us on the night. A city in the U.S. has been left devastated and in shock. A gunman opened fire at a synagogue in Pittsburgh this morning, killing 11 people and injuring at least six others, including four police officers. Global's Abigail Beeman begins our coverage. There's an open-door policy for worship at Pittsburgh's Tree of Life. That means no security on Saturdays, the busiest and holiest day of the week. It is imperative that the neighbors in the community surrounding the Tree of Life Synagogue stay in their houses and shelter in place. Do not come out of your home right now. It is not safe. On this Shabbat, the day of rest, came chaos. It was terrifying to me when I first got the call. And then I started getting calls right after that. And, and I, I just, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm torn apart. It's a very horrific crime scene. It's one of the worst that I've seen, and I've been on some plane crashes. It's, it's very bad. Three separate services were underway in a congregation that's been part of Pittsburgh for 150 years. I went to the daycare there when I was really little, on the third floor where we heard he hold himself up, and we've been listening to the radio, the police scanner, just trying to figure out like what's going on. You could hear the shots from our house. The suspect is 46-year-old Robert Bowers. His now-scrubbed social media littered with anti-Semitic comments. The latest, screw your optics, I'm going in. We think one was an assault rifle, and we know that the suspect had at least three handguns. When asked if it's time to revisit gun laws, the president blamed the synagogue. If there was an armed guard inside the temple, they would have been able to stop him. Maybe there would have been nobody killed. Trump added it's time to, quote, stiffen up death penalty laws. The FBI is investigating this as a hate crime. Abigail Beeman, Global News. Well, tonight, details are emerging about the alleged shooter. FBI officials saying 46-year-old Robert Bowers wasn't known to them, but they have discovered a disturbing trail of clues that tell us Bowers had a well-documented hatred of Jews. Multiple gunshots are heard from the lobby. After a hail of gunfire brought terror to this Pittsburgh synagogue, they uh, are being attacked. Tonight, investigators are building the profile of a killer. The alleged shooter, 46-year-old Robert Bowers, arrested at the scene as authorities tried to determine if the assault rifle and handguns found were purchased legally and where from. At this point, we have no knowledge that Bowers was known to law enforcement before today. With the FBI investigating the shooting as a hate crime, tonight authorities are scouring Bowers' digital footprint, including this social media account filled with hate speech and a stream of anti-Semitic ramblings. Also critical of President Trump, Bowers is believed to have an account on the social networking site Gab, posting before the shooting, screw your optics, I'm going in. 
A social media footprint for investigators is the treasure troll. This is where someone apparently uh, may honestly tell you who they are, what they think, what their motives are. The suspect also posting images of three handguns, though it's unclear if these were the weapons used. A Pittsburgh resident, Bowers lived not far from the synagogue. Police surrounding the area, combing through his life, piece by piece, as evidence of a hate-fueled motive begins to emerge. Investigators are going to not only look at his websites, they're going to look at his telephone, they're going to look at his activities, his travels. Uh, realize it's, it's hard for you and I and anyone else to go any place in this country without being seen on some type of surveillance camera, without having our credit card charged. Tonight, a gathering in a house of worship becoming a massacre, and now an urgent search for answers to the unthinkable crime. Well, here in B.C., the local Jewish community has also been reacting, saying their thoughts and prayers are with the victims and their families. The Centre for Israel and Jewish Affairs say they are monitoring the situation closely and they are in direct contact with law enforcement. The Jewish Federation saying that they haven't received any information that is suggesting any increased security threat in Canada. We, we've been working with local law enforcement for, for countless countless years uh, on the subject of, of security, and I, I actually do have to praise uh, the VPD and the RCMP have, have been incredible partners of the Jewish community. Um, we have a, a very very strong security apparatus here in the Jewish community where we're you know watching and being very vigilant. Um, that went into action this morning uh, when we heard about what had happened, even though uh, we know that uh, from our assessments, uh, the threat in Canada is quite low right now. And the Pittsburgh Penguins are in Vancouver tonight for a game with the Canucks. They are also paying tribute to the victims with a moment's silence before the game at Rogers Arena. The team captain and head coach telling us today they are shocked at what's happened in their home city. Our thoughts and prayers are with all the, the victims and the families affected by what happened this morning. I uh, know in Pittsburgh, I know that uh, we'll stick together and rally around them and be there to support and help in any way we can. It, it obviously took place this morning uh, when I went down to our morning meal and the coaching staff was there before the players. Uh, we, I had seen it on the news this morning when, when I woke up. So it's uh, obviously our, our thoughts and prayers are go out to all the families of the victims. It's, it's a terrible tragedy. We move on tonight now to the unrelenting overdose crisis. Health officials now issuing a warning after a worrying spike in overdoses that happened in Surrey last night. Our Jordan Armstrong has the details on this story. Jordan, what happened? Sonia, 12 overdoses were reported in four hours last night in North Surrey. Now, those are just the ones that health officials know about. It's quite possible there were others. It's not clear tonight if any of the overdoses were fatal. Now, Fraser Health telling users to be extremely careful saying the type of drug causing the spike is not known right now their advice know your tolerance and use less than you normally would don't mix drugs that increases your risk of od and don't use alone surrey firefighters were busy friday responding to medical calls and the fire chief explains how they were alerted to the spike in north surrey our software program uh, alerted us around 7 p.m last night and that software tells us if there's more than four overdoses within a one kilometer area within a four hour period. And that alerts Fraser Health, their surge teams. It alerts the RCMP and the Surrey Fire Department. 
that this event is going on. Fraser Health is advising users to have their drugs tested. They can do that at the SafePoint Supervised Consumption Site. It's located on 135A Street in Surrey and open until 1 a.m., seven days a week. Sonia? All right, Jordan, thanks very much for that for now. Moving on, in the shoe shop, a terminally ill Sycamus woman has been rushed to hospital after being brutally assaulted in a violent home invasion. As Global's Jules Knox now reports, police have found the stolen truck the suspects fled in, but they haven't caught the men. A 59-year-old woman with cancer was bound and gagged in her own home on Wednesday morning. Police say just before 6.30 a.m., two men with handguns forced their way into her mobile home while a female accomplice waited outside. The victim's family says she's terrified and doesn't want to be identified, but they say she was held at gunpoint and kicked in the face. She now has a fractured nose. They say her attackers threatened to cut her fingers off for her rings. Neighbours in the area are shocked at the violence. It is absolutely horrible. It is absolutely dreadful to think that there are people in this world that would do something like that. The victim's family says she was able to slip out of her zip ties and bolt to a neighbor's place while her attackers were ransacking the home. RCMP say the men took two small safes, jewelry and prescription drugs before fleeing in a 2003 white Ford pickup truck that had been stolen from Armstrong overnight. Police dogs and air support were called in, but they couldn't find any of the suspects. There was cops outside and we looked out the window and they were there all day long. The victim was rushed to hospital. Her family says she already had lung, breast and bowel cancer. She was supposed to be in chemo, but now that's been delayed because of her new injuries. Police don't think this is a random attack, although they haven't said why they believe that. The victim's family says the attackers were wearing bandanas and she didn't recognize any of them. RCMP say they have since tracked down the getaway vehicle, the white Ford pickup truck, but the suspects are still at large and considered armed and dangerous. As for the victim, her family says after living in Sycamuse for 20 years, she's too terrified to go home. Jules Knox, Global News, Sycamuse. Now, the Osoyoos woman who was charged in connection with a bizarre home invasion in the summer is back behind bars. In August, surveillance video was released showing a woman in a wig and gloves standing outside a home in Osoyoos. At one point, you can see her retrieve a butcher's knife uh, before entering that home. She is then uh, pushed out the door into the yard. The woman inside that home was a, a young mother who told Global News the intruder had asked to see her baby. Now, 45-year-old Sharon Fauna was arrested. Last month, she was granted bail on the condition that she lived in a recovery house on the Lower Mainland. But yesterday, Fauna was charged with breaking that condition. She has pleaded guilty and was sentenced to 30 days in jail, less time served. A warning now about possible salmonella contamination if you have bought Jane's brand pub-style chicken burgers. The Canadian Food Inspection Agency is recalling the uncooked breaded chicken burgers. They were sold across Canada in 800-gram packages with a best-before-date of May the 14th, 2019. Now, there have been 25 reported illnesses in nine provinces linked to the product, including one here in B.C. Two people have been hospitalised, no doubt. Deaths have been reported. Officials say the burgers should be thrown out or taken back to the store. 
The BC's, uh, BC's government's uh, first legal pot shop continues to see high sales in Kamloops, but some are starting to wonder what the return policy is. After launching on October 17th, the BC Cannabis Store saw nearly 18,000 online transactions in its first week alone, more than 4,000 in-store sales. Now, if you don't like what you've ordered, your government pot, do not expect to return it. Cannabis can only be returned if it's defective or recalled or delivered by mistake. Refunds related to a customer's preference do not fall within the parameters of the liquor distribution branch refund policy. Well, it is a non-returnable product uh, in much the same way at uh, liquor at the liquor store. You can't return it. I'd have to say, you know what, uh, there's a lot of product and it's quality. And, you know, maybe if they didn't like that strain, there's another strain or variety that they will like. Now, ballots on the vote for electoral reform in B.C. may well have landed in your mailbox this week. But do you even understand what you're being asked to vote on? As Paul Johnson found out, not even a member of the NDP government who's in favour of change can explain how proportional representation would actually work. Saying hi to folks about proportional representation. If there's anyone who's up on the mechanics of how our democracy would work under proportional representation, you'd think it would be Melanie Mark. The NDP Minister of Advanced Education was out in her East Van riding Saturday telling people they should vote for it. So I can't speak to the outcome of what we're shooting for. What I can speak to is there are three options that are going to be presented to the voters. But if any of those three options were approved, how exactly would your vote translate into a face in the legislature? We pressed Mark on that and got this. With, with all due respect, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not an expert in this, in this field. I, I'm not a, I do have a degree in political science, but I'm not an expert in, in, in electoral representation. Supporters say proportional representation would make our democracy more responsive by ending the winner-take-all effect of our current first-past-the-post system. But getting there means a higher level of electoral complexity than we already have. And opponents say if politicians can't even explain it, what chance will average voters have? This proportional representation idea on prima facie seems good, but there are many details that are not being explained. Most people we spoke with Saturday told us not only did they not know what it means, they didn't even know the referendum was happening. I know absolutely nothing about it. Of the few who did know about it, this man had already voted no. And here's why. Well, um, I don't know how the other system works. Okay. Good to see you. Nice to see have you an awesome day. Yeah. Bye. Back in East Van, the Minister of Advanced Education appears to have her work cut out for her. Okay. Paul Johnson, Global News. Welcome back. Well, transit riders have been tapping in and out of SkyTrain fare gates with compass cards for more than two years now. But soon there might be another way to tap and pay. TransLink is testing wearable wristbands. Our Kristen Robinson has the reaction. Tap in, tap out. The tried and tested way to pay since July 2016 when TransLink permanently closed the open gate policy at Canada Line and SkyTrain stations. But soon, there may be a more casual way to get through the fare gates. And it'll be nice to have a wristband. TransLink confirming it's testing Compass wristbands as a potential alternative form of payment, 
after this Instagram photo surfaced showing a staffer wearing a black wristband for hands-free entry and exit. If, if it's a wristband, I'll be more comfortable with it, right? Because, like, this is my fourth compass card in, like, two months. I believe it's, it's really good because I, most of the time I lose my compass card. I think it'd be great. It'd be real better for everybody to do that, really. Others say the compass card is convenient enough. I probably just use the card, to be honest. It's just as easy for me to have a, uh, a compass card in my wallet. No, I wouldn't really like to have anything on my wrist, personally. TransLink not the first to test the wearable technology. Brazil launching RioCard contactless transport wristbands for visitors ahead of the 2016 Summer Olympics. With radio frequency ID rolling out for riders with limited mobility. Like magic, open sesame. <laughs> disability advocates say wristbands would be another step towards universally accessible transit. There's many people who have dexterity and mobility issues who may have difficulty um, grasping or uh, retrieving a compass card from a wallet. Um, being able to wear a bracelet is going to make it a lot easier. TransLink hoping to share more on wristbands soon. That would be great. I would wear it with a suit one day. <laughs> Kristen Robinson, Global News. Now, an 11-year-old boy stepped up today to do his part after wigs meant for cancer patients were stolen last month. There you go. And it's all gone. <laughs> it's all gone. After Ashton Atu's grandmother passed away from cancer, he decided he wanted to help to make a difference and spent three years growing his hair for wigs to help cancer patients. When he read about the thefts from Eva and Company in September, he decided it was finally time to go for the chop. His family very, very proud of his selfless act and hope his hair can help a child in need. We're very proud of him. It's been a three and a half year journey where he's been growing his hair. Um, and so what happened when he read an article around even co wigs where unfortunately they had a theft, which a lot of the wigs were going to kids his age. He said, now I want to make a difference and a difference to these kids' lives and just put a smile on their face as they fight this re really incredible fight. Good for him. And he's got a great haircut now mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. It's, uh, it's all worked out. All right, Chanel's got sports in a few minutes and also uh, the weather. When we came in, it was really nice and now it's starting to turn. Yes, and by yeah. the way, I didn't get the memo today on... Uh, uh, oh, yeah. yeah. I just I realized, yeah. That's okay. It was black. It matches with any, everything. It goes with everything. It goes right. with everything. Yeah, it was deceiving out there. Um, we did uh, start off with some bright patches and some sunshine for the morning hours. It was a nice dry start, but we are looking at the rain and you can see it, a swath of it on the satellite and radar right now. It'll be at heavy at times, especially for the evening and overnight. We do have some instability for tomorrow with even the risk of thunderstorms. We've got a wind warning that is in effect, and we're talking snow. If you're traveling along the mountain passes, so I'll break that down very shortly when I come back with your full forecast. All right. Thanks very much for that, Yvonne. And so what have you got for us? Well, um, Canuck fans, if you're headed down to the game tonight, you yes. probably need an umbrella because... Yes. We'll get uh, pretty wet uh, at postgame. Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins are in town. Sidney Crosby and the boys uh, ready to take on the Canucks. Uh, good news for Vancouver. Elias Pettersson and Brock Besser back in the lineup tonight. Uh, we'll hear from, uh, hear from them. Plus, uh, hear from Sid the Kid on his thoughts about the Swedish sensation. Uh, tomorrow, the Whitecaps will honor Alfonso Davies. We'll tell you what they'll do in his final game before oh. he heads to Germany. And uh, the BC Lions still have a chance of uh, hosting a playoff game. They're in Saskatchewan right now. We'll get you caught up on that game coming up. 
Welcome back. Well, President Trump has been reacting to the mass shooting at a Pittsburgh synagogue that's left 11 people dead. He says there should have been armed security that prevented this from happening. He is continuing on his campaign trail tonight. NBC's Kelly O'Donnell tells us why. On this day of horror and hate, the president considered scrapping his travel plans, but decided the campaign must go on. We can't let evil change our life and change our schedule. Addressing several thousand young people at an agriculture convention in Indiana. There must be no tolerance for anti-Semitism in America or for any form of religious or racial hatred or prejudice. You know that. You know that very well. The president devoted nearly 20 minutes of his speech to the Pittsburgh massacre, condemning it as evil. This was a baby naming ceremony at a sacred house of worship on the holy day of Sabbath. The president told reporters he had spoken with daughter Ivanka, who converted to Judaism her husband Jared Kushner's faith. Ivanka tweeted, America is stronger than the acts of a depraved bigot and anti-Semite. Sympathies extended from world leaders, Canada's Justin Trudeau and Israel's Benjamin Netanyahu. Speaking to NBC News in Las Vegas, the vice president rejected any suggestion the president's rhetoric stoked the terror seen this week, including the mailed pipe bombs. Frankly, people on both sides of the aisle use strong language about our political differences, but... I just don't think you can connect it to threats or acts of violence. President Trump called for the death penalty in today's shooting and said armed security at the synagogue might have saved lives. Kelly O'Donnell, NBC News, the White House. The suspects in a series of mail bombs addressed to prominent Democrats and critics of President Trump is expected to appear in court on Monday. 56-year-old Cesar Sayok of Florida facing five federal charges, including mailing of explosives and threatening former presidents. Authorities say Sayok has an extensive arrest record, including making a bomb threat. A tragedy in the UK today where a helicopter crashed in flames just outside the stadium of the Leicester City Football Club. It was the personal helicopter of the billionaire Thai owner of the team, although there is still no confirmation of who was on board or their fate. The chopper picks Vichai Srivadhanaprabha up from the centre field after every home game. Witnesses reporting seeing the helicopter struggling in the air and only just clearing the stadium roof before plummeting into a car park next door. Newly released dashcam footage showing the moment a Texas school bus was swept away in fast-moving floodwaters during last week's flooding. The driver was arrested. The only student on the bus was treated and released to his family. The Duke and Duchess of Sussex have been paying tribute to the athletes at the closing ceremonies of the Invictus Games in Sydney, Australia. Prince Harry founded the Games back in 2014 to give sick and injured military personnel and veterans the chance to compete in sports. In his closing remarks, the Royal thanking everybody for sharing their stories and showing us all that anything is possible. And when you share your story, you can change the world. And I can't think of a better way to continue serving your country. I am so proud to call you my friends and my Invictus family. 
An international wellness summit opened at Stanley Park this weekend, but this one is drawing quite a bit of attention because actress Gwyneth Paltrow and her controversial Goop brand are behind it. As Jill Bennett reports, some of their products and talks have drawn criticism from the medical community. It's a miracle health product. Yeah, it's made from boiling hot dogs. Yeah. It's kind of like the new coconut water. You heard that correctly, hot dog water. At $37.99 a bottle, the salty liquid comes with the promise to promote weight loss and increase brain activity. It's the creation of Vancouver artist Douglas Bevins. It's, it's not goop, it's the whole healthy lifestyle kind of quackery that exists in this era. Celebrity endorsement and bogus products. I think we're, we're all susceptible to, to targeted marketing and all these things that that we weren't 50 years ago. Bevins set up his hot dog water display in Stanley Park, though, outside the first Goop Summit ever to be held in Canada. Hello. Founded by Gwyneth Paltrow in 2008, Goop, now a $250 million company, promotes wellness and lifestyle. It has been criticized for pushing products and treatments with no scientific evidence and was fined $145,000 for over-promoting products for women. The jade egg is an ancient um, Chinese practice where women insert the jade egg in their lady parts. Right. Gwyneth has recommended allowing bees to sting your face as a kind of therapy, and a woman actually died using that therapy. So it's potentially physically harmful. It sort of uh, contributes to this erosion of critical thinking. I don't know who else to tell you guys this. We really can't film over here. This is public, though. There was plenty of security. We weren't allowed in. So what was the big draw? A lot of learning. There's uh, panels throughout the day with, uh, you know, a varied varied experts, I guess, on all spectrums, all sizes spectrums, and so a lot of education on health and wellness. Anybody interested in any hot dog water? There will always be skeptics, but there are clearly also fans. 200 people paid $400 each to attend the Goop event. It's really good for you. Jill Bennett, Global News. What do you think? Welcome back. Well, Halloween, of course, is just days away, but it is also time to start thinking about the holiday season. Uh, crews were busy this morning setting up for the 21st annual Lights of Hope in front of St. Paul's Hospital. 150 volunteers lending a hand to bring the holiday tradition to life. The sparkling display is going to be turned on on November the 16th. And the good news is that you will be able to watch it all live right here on Global. There'll be over 100,000 lights on this display and thousands more at the other sites. We have 150 volunteers here today working to put up these, uh, these lights. And, uh, you know, coming up in the next two weeks, November 16th, we light, the, we light them. And we light them for uh, all of BC and for Vancouver. We'll have a fireworks ceremony here, uh, choirs, and, uh, and an outdoor celebration. So we'd invite everybody to come down. Yeah, big shout out to all of those volunteers, Yvonne, because so much work goes into that. You never realize just how much. Yes, and it looks spectacular, so yeah. we can't wait to see that. I will get to Halloween first before we get to Christmas, and that forecast <laughs> is coming up very shortly. But a quick shot this morning that was taken from John. Thank you so much. We had some sunshine, some sunny breaks, but there was some fog this morning. It dissipated for the afternoon, and we are talking rain, and a significant amount is pushing in this evening and overnight. Right across the south coast, we've got a heavier band right across the lower mainland, and 
pushing into eastern sections and stretching across the Fraser Valley with anywhere between 10 and up to 20 millimeters for the evening hours. Our current tower cam shot showing us 11 out of the airport and easterly wind at 17 kilometers per hour and our high today was up to 13 degrees. We're close to the average for this time of the year. A record on this day, 19 degrees was set back in 1962. The winds will also be another big weather story that we're tracking with the wind warning. I'll show you that but currently right along the western sections of the island we're already starting to see gusts of over 40 kilometers per hour. The following areas, northern sections of the island seeing the winds potentially up to 90 kilometers per hour and eastern sections of the island a southeasterly wind ranging between 50 and up to 70. It'll remain very windy overnight and for your Sunday morning before it starts to ease off. Here's the future cast into play. The moisture pushing in heavy at times. Interior sections if you're traveling along the mountain passes higher elevations for the overnight and morning hours snowfall but rain across the south coast will see anywhere between 20 and potentially up to 40 by the evening hours tomorrow. For the peace gusty winds at times up to 50 kilometers per hour both Monday Tuesday we have plenty of sunshine. Most areas near Whitehorse it is going to remain dry with some sunny breaks but for the early morning hours with the wind chill tomorrow feeling closer to minus nine. Coastal sections we're looking at the risk of a thunderstorm so unsettled and a heavier round of rain pushing in once again for your Tuesday. Most areas along the Caribou and Central Interior overnight and for the early morning hours. A few flurries and then changing over to a chance of showers with very gusty winds tomorrow up to 40 kilometers per hour. Columbia and Kootenai region and much of the southern interior will see the risk of a thunderstorm for the afternoon with some rainfall still for the morning hours and then that risk starts to push in and then Monday, Tuesday we're back into some breaks, excuse me. Whistler with the risk of a thunderstorm tomorrow. Temperatures will be on the cool side with only six as the high. And across the island, it's the northern and eastern sections that we're still seeing that wind warning that is in effect, potentially up to 70 kilometers per hour. Five and up to 10 millimeters will be for tomorrow. Five-day forecast across Metro Vancouver. We've got that instability tomorrow. We're looking at anywhere between 20 and up to 35 millimeters for the afternoon is when we're looking at the risk of a thunderstorm. Monday, Tuesday, on and off rainfall. Sonia, it's still a few days out, but oh, for no. our Halloween for it's still a few days out. Our Halloween forecast, we could be looking at some rainfall, so we'll keep an, an eye out. And temperatures will be on the cool side as well around the trick-or-treating hour. Oh no! Get your costume prepared. I can't believe. Why couldn't we have the same <laughs> weather we had last week for, for Halloween night? All right. Um, up next, will the BC Lions host a playoff game? Plus, the return of two hotshot rookies to the Canucks lineup tonight. Sports is coming up with Chanel. I'm just frustrated by the whole thing. Unknown flaw. I do think they should cover the cost. Yet charges for a fix. Toyota should have extended the warranty. I have no place else to go. Consumer Matters, Monday on Global News Hour at 6. All right, Barry's at a secret location getting <laughs> some sun. Yeah, uh, so he tans well. By he the way. tans well. well. So do we, actually. Yeah. You just can't tell. But anyway, what's happening in sports? Uh, uh, no tanning in Saskatchewan because <laughs> it's cold there okay. this time of year. But the Lions are there. Uh, a huge western... Uh, division showdown between two of the hottest teams in the CFL, and this has huge playoff implications. They, the Riders are 8-2 in their last 10 games. They can still uh, win the division if they win today and get some help. Now, the Lions, 6-1 and one in the last seven, have already clinched a playoff spot, but still, BC has aspirations of hosting a postseason game at BC Place. Any chance of that required a win in Regina today. All right, let's go to the highlights. Travis Lule getting his team psyched. Wally Buono, his final regular season road game. Check this out. Claudel Lewis getting through. And the big stuff. Uh, 
Loss of four on Trey Mason. Defense, a big reason why the Lions had such a good second-half turnaround. But this is not good. The offense struggling. Travis Lule's uh, pass batted down. Toby Antigua gets it. And then the next play, Zach Caleros takes a huge hit from Odell Willis. He would actually leave the game a couple of plays later. Uh, uh, roughing the passer uh, flag was uh, ensued, and then Mason goes in for the touchdown on second and three. 13-0 for Saskatchewan. Lions with a good drive, a chance at a field goal, get some points on the board, but Ty Long is just wide from 40. The single makes it 13-1. Now the defense making plays again. TJ Lee forcing the strip. The Lions recover, but the offense goes two and out again. BC just 71 total yards in the first two quarters. Riders racking up the yards on the ground. 99 in the first half. This run by Brandon Bridge would lead to a field goal. 16-2 at the half. But BC comes out strong in the second half. Opening kickoff. Dyshawn Davis with the strip and the recovery. And then on the very next play, Lule finds a wide open Brian Burnham. That's a touchdown. BC in business, 16-9 for the Riders. But later in the third, the defense for Saskatchewan turns it up a notch. Lule gets mugged. Willie Jefferson with the sack strip. And then the ball ends up in the end zone. Zach Evans falls on it, 25-9 after that touchdown for the Riders. And then it would get worse in the fourth quarter. Lule on second and seven, and he is going to be picked off by Ed Ganey. He would take it in 41 yards for the touchdown. Lions would get a touchdown. It is 32-16 with about five or six minutes left. We'll update you on the score tonight at 11. All right, the Canucks uh, have their two sharp shooting stars back in the lineup tonight as uh, Elias Pettersson and Brock Besser both return from injuries to face the Pittsburgh Penguins. Now, hopefully they can inject some scoring as Vancouver has just nine goals in the last five games. It was all smiles this morning for both players as pretty jacked up just to be back. Pettersson still sits second in team scoring five goals, three assists in just five games. EP40 missed six games with a concussion after uh, being taken down hard by Panthers defenseman Mike Matheson, who was suspended for two games for that play. As for the flow, Besser missed just a couple of games with a groin injury. Two goals, six points so far through nine games. Both players say they're ready to roll. Yeah, um, you know, there's a few games there where I, I felt it a lot and it would, it would get worse as, as the game went on, but, um, you know, it's... That's part of the hockey season. You go through some nicks and injuries, and you have to battle through it. So, uh, But that being said, I'm, I'm feeling a lot better and ready to go tonight. Two weeks now to get back and get get back on track and like, clear the protocol, and yeah, it's good to be back. For you, uh, you know, there, were, there was some thought that you might be healthy enough to play at least one game on the road trip, maybe the second one. Was that ever a consideration, or did you always know it would be this game? Yeah, we was talking about how maybe we would play, but... Uh, but we rather take one day extra than like go one day before, one day too early. So, yeah. All right, when the Canucks were in Pittsburgh 11 days ago, Pedersen wasn't in the lineup, so Sidney Crosby didn't get a first-hand look at the rookie sensation, but the Pens captain had some high praise for the emerging Canucks superstar. Uh, just highly skilled. I mean, just from you know, what I saw in the preseason and um, you know, early in the regular season, just really skilled player. Uh, sees the ice really well, but uh, you know it's uh, you know it's early. But I think he's he's had a pretty good start for a young guy. 
Welcome back, everyone. The Seahawks begin a tough part of their schedule tomorrow morning. Three games in the next five games all on the road uh, against some very stiff competition. First up, the Lions in Detroit, who have won two straight. It's a big game for both sides as the battle for, uh, for wildcard positioning uh, continues. The good news for the Hawks, in the last five years, they're 4-1 following their bye week. Detroit's defense is in the top 10, has 21 sacks, fourth most, including 11 in the past three games. They face a Seattle offense that is third last and has allowed 19 quarterback takedowns already, but the Lions do allow points, 26 a game, putting them in the bottom third in the NFL. Rookie Kerryon Johnson is coming off a career game, 158 yards last week. In fact, the Lions had their best running day in almost two decades, racking up 248 yards versus the Dolphins. They face a Hawks side, allowing 120 yards a game, 22nd overall. Detroit appears to be more dangerous with a diversified offensive attack, as Matt Stafford has weapons in Golden Tate and Kenny Galladay, both with eight or more catches of 20 yards this season. The Seahawks are having success running the ball in the last month, averaging almost 160 team yards a game. Expect Chris Carson to get the bulk of the carries against a run defense ranked 30th, giving up 140 yards per contest. Now, if Seattle can continue to pound the ball, it'll give Russell Wilson more play action options against a top seven passing defense. The defense is number two overall now and number one when it comes to defending against the pass. And in a four-game stretch, the Hawks have recorded 13 sacks, four interceptions. Now pressure on Stafford could lead to turnovers, which may be the difference on Sunday. Seattle is a three-point underdog, and since the beginning of last season, the Hawks have been underdogs 11 times. They're 3-8 and eight in those games, while Detroit has covered the spread in four straight and seven of the last nine, going back to last year. All right, it should be an emotional farewell tomorrow as Alfonso Davies plays his final match with the Whitecaps before his move to Germany. Open things up for Davies. Great move by Davies. Well, this would be something. Oh, oh yeah, this market will miss plays like this. Now, if you're headed to the game tomorrow, the club will have a short pregame presentation for Davies. And then in the 67th minute, his number, uh, fans will give him a standing ovation. Davies is headed to Bayern Munich in a record-setting transfer that could eventually be worth up to $22 million U.S. for the White Caps. By the way, the Caps will not be going to the MLS playoffs. Soccer over the pond here. Liverpool tied atop the standings, looking to move past Man City, taking on Cardiff's 10th minute loose ball for who else but Mohamed Salah. He makes no mistake, 1-0 for Liverpool. After the one-hour mark, Sadio Mane with some serious moves at the top of the box and then the left-footed strike. He had a couple this morning. 2-0 for Liverpool. They would get four, including one from Jordan Shakiri, a clinical finish. Shakiri, Shakiri, his first for Liverpool. 4-1 is the final. Liverpool three points clear of City take on Tottenham on Monday. Back to the NHL, Oilers in Nashville, Edmonton up 2-0, we'll pick it up when Philip Forsberg, a big one-timer here, he would end the game with the hat-trick, three goals, 
Local boy Ryan Johansson with three assists. Seven seconds after that goal, Connor McDavid answers right back. Oilers go on to win this one. 5-3 would be the final. The other Alberta team hosting the Capitals. Flames losing 9-1 to the Pens on Thursday. They needed a late goal in the third, trailing 3-2 to Washington. Matthew Kachuk with the tip-in from Rasmus Anderson shot. That would tie the game. So we go to a shootout, and Nicholas Backstrom with the wicked wrister. Wow, nice shot. 4-3 is the final. Uh, Washington wins 2-3 of three on their West Coast tour in Canada. Okay, we have to tell you about this. Flying pumpkins, they're apparently quite a thing in Delta this weekend. Is it ready to go? One, yeah. two, three. you do. For the second straight year, the operator of the Yupik pumpkin patch fired the orange uh, guards from a homemade air-operated cannon. He built it when someone bet him he couldn't shoot a pumpkin 100 feet. These ones apparently travelled 400 wow. to 500 yards. That's just the, all the parts I had on the farm. The only thing I had to buy is one uh, fitting to make it safe, but it's an old propane tank, um, some valves and Winches, the frame, a piece of pipe. The gauge actually comes from the old East Delta school. I think it was torn down in probably the 70s, but it's more than 50 years old, that gauge. <laughs> see, it looks so rusty, but it works. Yes, yeah, so we got to go. Does it the looks job. fun. But you also want to see the pumpkin, like, explode, right? right and 400 yards, you can't see it. No, no. Um, all right, before we go tonight, a big thank you to everybody who came out to support our Variety Week, a rap party, which of course was yesterday. At Variety, the children's charity taking over Robson Square. The highlight, of course, was that Ferris wheel, possibly the first time it's been set up in downtown Vancouver. The News Hour with Chris Galis and Sophie Louie also broadcasting live uh, from there yesterday. But just because that party is over, it doesn't mean the giving That's right. has stopped. Because you still can. All week we are trying to help as many children as possible. An average grant for a child is $2,500. And so far, with the generous donations you have made, we've helped 305 kids and raised more than 760 wow thousand dollars but we need more so please call 310 kids the phone lines are still open until midnight or you can go online uh, to variety.bc.ca anytime and we should have a final total for you on monday mm -hmm. on the news hour so That's please amazing. if you haven't made a donation please do yeah all right it's very easy you can text as well yes and you can just go online and a quick word on the weather. It started raining outside. I just yes, I uh, have the umbrella handy. It'll be heavy at times tomorrow, even looking at the risk of a thunderstorm. And Halloween, it's a few days out, but we are so, so far looking Please at some weather. Make that stop. Thank you very much for watching. Good night. <laughs>